I pray that you would just redefine every person in this room, set them on fire. I pray that they would shock themselves at what you do through them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would turn us inside out and wreck us and just make us 100% you. I pray that we be the brightest, most powerful, intense light this planet has ever known. I pray that we would set the world on fire. I pray that we would be the church that we had never knew could exist. I thank you, Lord, that your church is about to be turned inside out for you. And they're going to know everything that you want them to know, Lord. They're going to worship you in spirit and in truth. In every crazy way you desire to them to worship you, Lord. They're going to know you that like no other generation has ever known. We ask that you administer to our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits, God, and change us. Change us and make it right in the name of Jesus. We won't tolerate being the same. We want to be your church the way you want your church to be, Lord. That's what we want. And we ask you to do it in each of us, Lord. God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd bring people to us that want the same thing we do. That we want you. We want you. We want all of you. We don't want to limit you. God, we pray that your church would, would know you and you would know your church and we'd be set free from all worldly mindsets, God. And we'd be free, absolutely free, to be everything you want us to be. And not limited by human understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, we cancel out every assignment on every person in here, trying to distract them or hinder them in any way. And we ask, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And we ask you to set us free and make us whole and let us help us set the world on fire for you, God. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I, oh my, my goodness, what a night I had. Oh, don't you, you already feel sorry for me. <laughs> I, I, I sleep with two little baby girls, Chloe and, and Lucy. Dogs. dogs. <laughs> They're dogs. They're my baby girls. And Goosey was sick last night. Steve was smart. He left the bed early. <laughs> I was still in bed, and Goosey's sick. And I'm, I'm still asleep. And I hear dog throwing up. And I know she's in my bed. She's right next to me. So I, I don't know who, which dog it is. I'm just reaching for fur. I grab it. I pick it up. She's puking. I pick her up. I throw her on the floor as fast as I can. And I'm like, turn the light on. What's going on, right? So she's puking while I pick her up. So it was like I garden sprayed the whole room. <laughs> She's on the floor. I go back into bed. Right? I'm feeling puke here. Puke there. I'll get that off. Puke off my pillowcase. Puke off. Finally, I ran out of things to throw. I have to be warm, right? So I have one pukey blanket. I said, oh, forget it. I'm sleeping in puke. <laughs> I did. And God still loves me. <laughs> okay? Okay, okay. Then I go back after pukey night. I go back to sleep, and I have this amazing dream. My grandpa, he died two years ago. He lived to 100 years old plus three weeks. 100 years old plus three weeks. He came to me in my dream. Oh, I got to see him again. He came to me in my dream, and he said to me, I said, Papa, what are you doing here? 
And he said, I came to tell you. I came to tell you. He was not a religious man. He was a farmer. He went to church. They said the, the born-again prayer, and that was good. They're in heaven. It's all good, right? He says, I came to tell you. <laughs> this guy came to tell me. He said, my generation has been waiting for a move of God. Tell them they will not be disappointed. Wow. And then he was gone. Write that down. My grandpa, Otto Sharon Frederick, who was a dirt farmer his entire life and was not crazy, spiritual, anything, is in heaven and came to my dream to tell me your generation is going to see a move of God. Okay, I want everybody to turn to Matthew 6 because I'm going to just mainly stay in Matthew 6 today. So I want to read, I'm going to start at verse 1. Are you there? I hear pages? Yes. Okay, you're there. Okay. All right. In verse 1, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. Can you imagine that? I just really pictured that in my head. They're like blowing trumpets. I'm giving to the poor. It just hit me. And he says, so, so that they will be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. That's their reward. So, But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who is sees what is done in secret will reward you. So I want to talk about overcomers today and what motivates us. Mainly what I'm trying to say is that is, is our relationship church or God? Is our goal church or God? To have a relationship with the church or have a relationship with God? Do you want a relationship with man or do you want a relationship with God? Because if you shoot for the church, you're probably going to miss God. If you shoot for God, you're going to get the church. Right? Okay. So we got to decide now if we're going to seek the praise of God or the praise of man. If we're going to be famous on earth with the people that we know, or are we going to be famous in heaven? Again, if you shoot for heaven, you get it all. Right? So in Matthew um, 6, 5 through 13, it says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues on street corners, so that they be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, here's, my, here's the thing. This is so good. When you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard with their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. So basically, what God is saying is, let this be between you and me. I want to have a relationship with you, you know, don't go out on the streetways and byways and, do, and tell everybody, I'm doing a good deed. I see it. I want it to matter to you that I see it. It's like a, it's, it's an intimacy thing. He's building intimacy in us. And it's not like we have to hide it, you know, be ashamed of it or something. But just to build, he wants us to build that intimacy with him. To let him be the, the goal. Let him be the thing that drives us. All about him. So we have to wonder, are we building for the eternal or the temporal? When we build a platform before men in this world, 
we're building a temporal thing. And this life is but a breath. The Bible says it's a vapor. I'm 50. I feel 16. That's how fast this life is gone. See, do you hear me? It's a vapor. So when we're building for this life, we're losing it. But when we're building for the next life, for the eternal life, we get the whole shebang. In Matthew 6, 19... It says, do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust does destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we have to ask ourselves, where's your heart? Sometimes when I'm sort of in a like a a worry mode or just just not in that set place of peace the lord will say to me victoria where's your heart and then i know i got to step back i got to check things out where's my heart am i going after something that doesn't really matter am i worried about something he don't care about or is my heart set on him right am i am i am i okay with stuff not being perfect in this life so that I can have peace with God and keep pursuing the thing that truly matters for eternity. So we have to build for eternity. But the problem is that we don't always understand eternity. So we don't think about eternity. We don't realize that this life is but a breath because the whole world around us, you know, McDonald's is saying, eat a Big Mac. You deserve it. Chevrolet is saying, buy this. You've earned it. If we're building for earth, then we're building in a temporal realm. If we're building for heaven, we're building eternally. So if we're building in heaven, our conduct should be thinking about what pleases God, doing the things that please Him. And that's, that's huge. That's whatever you, know, you feel in your heart, the Lord's putting on your heart, what pleases Him. The other one is to have a rich, rich respect for God. You know, I, what I see a lot today is it's like Christians even. I mean, the world gets a pass because they really don't know. But the Christians, often I wonder if they really realize God is really real and God sees us. And, and he, we, when, when we love Him and we put Him first in our lives, what hurts Him hurts us. What hurts Him hurts us. When we hurt people, it hurts Him. We're like, wow, I really missed it there. You know, because he's the boss. We have to fiercely, fiercely protect the work of the Spirit in our lives. That is like a huge battle. Huge battle. We got to fiercely protect the things that really matter. Jesus nailed it down to, he brought it down to, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we've got today, we've got all these things around us, just like the Jewish did. It's like all these other rules and everything. And people's like, go here, do this, do this. No, I, I'm, God, just, God said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you shoot for the moon, you get the stars. So God's the boss. We're the laborer, worker, and we're the servant, and we're the friend. And when people come in and they're like trying to drag you over here and drag you over here, and you got to do this and you got to do that. If you want to be this, you want to be that, you want to do all this stuff. 
you got to say to yourself, well, I, let me check with the boss. See if he's good with that. Because we're not the boss. He's the boss. I'm his servant. If, we're, if he's first in our lives, we're going to have to check with him, right? Are you good with this, God? Is this from you? Is this from you? So if we're, if we're living for this earth, it's like we don't really care about God at all. So often I see people just get run over. And people want to, they want to minister to the church, but they're running over the church. Church isn't a BMW or a, or a building of any kind. Church is people. So we, we're looking for what we can give to people, not what we can get from people. We do get stuff. If, you don't, if you're constantly giving and you're not getting anything back, you may ask the Lord if you're really supposed to be in, in that situation. Yeah. You know? You give love, you get love, basically. You should. So if we want position, power, notoriety, if we seek the, 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 the praise of man, if we seek the praise of man, we're going to be controlled by the praise of man. Because if you care, what you care about controls you. If you, if you have to jump three somersaults a day to get the praise of man, then you're being controlled. And you're doing somersaults. Why? That's dumb. Especially if you're 50, you can't really do somersaults. So, so if, you're being, if you're caring about man, you're going to do what man wants you to do. If you're caring about God, turning away from man, man pulls you, pulls you. Care about this. You've got to care about this. Right? But if you're caring about God, you're going to be pulled into God. Matthew 6, 1, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. We read that before, but I wanted to bring it back because I think people forget. If, you, if you're like constantly doing things to show people that you're doing them, that's all you get. But if you're doing things as unto the Lord, see, you got a really tough job. And the people you work with aren't so great. But you're great in spite of the fact that they're not great. You think God don't see that? God sees that. God sees that. Keep being great. Keep being great. Because God sees it. He's so proud of you. Years ago, Cassie, that's her, this one right here. Raise your hand. I guess everybody knows you. Okay, well, years ago, she was in high school. She, we went to a large church, and she had a friend in the church, and she was younger than Cass. And Facebook had just become a new thing, and all the young people were on it. That's before us older people got on, and it became uncool. But it was still cool. Cassie got on there, and she, would, she had friends. She was friends with this girl from church. And this girl struggled with grammar. So she'd come up with these, these like, thoughts that she would want to post as a status about God. But she wasn't very good at writing. Well, Cassie's like, that's her gifting, is writing. So she would send Cass the little blurpet that she had typed out, and Cassie would transform it. Perfect grammar, just make it beautiful. She'd send it back to her friend. Friend would post it on Facebook, and all the church people would be like, Oh, you're so amazing. I can't believe you wrote like that. You're an amazing Christian. I didn't know you were so awesome, right? And, and of course, as a mom, I'm like, 
this don't sit right. <laughs> but, you know, Cassie is who she is. So she kept doing it for the girl. She kept doing it and doing it doing it. And, and time and time again, they would be like, oh, you're doing so good. You're, you know, praise, bless God. You're an amazing Christian. And then later on, both the girls were on the worship team. It's a large church. A lot of different kids were on the worship team. And Cass was on there. And Cass also sort of, she was older than her, and so she would mentor her not really meaning to, but she would mentor her in ways. And she started fasting. And then her friend wanted to know about fasting. Why are you fasting, you know? And so she told her, she's on fasting, you know, just see the will of God come in, in her people's lives and things like that. So then this girl started fasting. And she started telling everybody, I'm fasting, I'm fasting, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. Now, she's a young girl, so we can't, like, really blame her, you know. She didn't know any better. So she goes around, she starts telling all the leaders in the youth group uh, that she's fasting. And that's cool, right? That's cool. But then, and, but they're, so they're getting this idea of something that's really, really great about her. And, and, and it's like, oh, that's cool, you know, whatever, you don't really care. Then... There was a, a revamp being done in the youth group worship. And they basically let all the worship leaders go that weren't as spiritual and kept only just a couple really spiritual worship leaders. That friend was one of the very few people they kept. Cassie was unspiritual and let go. Now you can think, that's a sad ending of a story. Why bring that up right now? But it didn't end there, and it never ends. Because that girl got her reward on Facebook. She got her reward at that church. Cassie went on to write four books. She worship, leads us in worship however she pleases. She does what she wants up here. God blessed her. And you know what? She, she helped her friend write statuses on Facebook and nobody knew about it. And now she's writing for the Elijah list and they go out to half a million people. She's written one before and there's another one going out any day now. Okay? So what I'm trying to say is that what you do in the secret doesn't say secret in heaven. Amen. God sees what you do in the secret here on earth and all heaven talks about it. And they're like, oh yeah, that's right. Someday God's going to make her be heard by millions of people. He's going to bless her voice and bless her influence, increase her blessing on earth. Okay? So that verse where it says you'll have no reward on earth, that's all you get. We've got to embrace that and say, I trust you, Lord. I know you're going to take what... You know, somebody didn't see you. Somebody didn't bless you. Somebody didn't think well of you. You know what? God thinks well of you. Who cares what anybody else thinks? And he's got you covered. He's got all of us covered. What we do in the closet is a big deal. What we do in the secret is huge. What we do here in public, this is it. This is our moment. But that moment we have with God is exponential. We can either receive the praise of man and pursue the praise of man, but when you do that, you also have to deal with the rejection of man. Yes. Not being acceptable by men. I, my kids, I would always tell them when they were young, I'd say re rejection is God's protection a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody's rejecting you, maybe you didn't need to be right. in with them anyway. Amen. Right? So if we have to deal with the rejection of man... 
if we seek man's approval, we also have to deal with the rejection of God. I would rather be accepted by God and not have to deal with the rejection of God. I want Him to know me. I don't care if I'm known by man. I don't care. Half the time they just talk bad about you behind your back anyway. So their praise to my face matters very little. I love them. I, I don't stop loving people. But I know I, my, my security isn't found, my value isn't found in them, whether they like me or don't like me. Because the next minute they turn around and don't like something else about you. My security is found in standing up here saying what God wants me to say and hearing, I am proud of you, baby. You did good. Even though I know I didn't do as good as I want to do. But if I'm okay with him, I don't care if I'm okay with myself or anybody else. If I can, if, you know, if you can just nail it down just a little bit, he makes it that much bigger. So, in, uh, so we have to understand in 6, 22 and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? We have to understand, when we're going after the praise of man, the acceptance of man, and we don't get it, and they say, well, you don't do this well, you don't do that well, you don't do that well, right? Then all of a sudden we're seeing through their eyes. And so our vision has become clouded. But when we are focusing on God and we're getting our acceptance from God and He says, you did good, baby. Next time, do it this way. You know, Then we're seeing rightly. We're seeing ourselves rightly. How, how horrendous is it is to live under this... And we do this. Every one of us do it. We live under some sort of word sentence that somebody put on us. Maybe we're fat. Well, define fat for me. Isn't that a relative term? I keep talking to this woman about... Jesus' hair being long or short. Isn't that a relative term, whether his hair is long or short? Who defines what short is? Who defines what long is? Who defines what good is? In our society, we, we focus on so many things that just don't matter. And we, we forget about the core things. The value of a good, honest, pure heart. That's beautiful. If you can find that, you have found the real beauty in this world. If you have that, you are a treasure. So we, our vision becomes cloudy when we, we focus on the things of the earth. In, in Matthew 6.24, it says, No man can serve two matters, masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. When I was a freshman in high school, I grew up really poor. My dad was a part-time farmer, full-time factory worker. A small town in Nowheresville, Nebraska. I sat in the back row of my little church, and I wrote down on a piece of paper my plan for popularity. I, I aimed really big. I was going shooting the moon that one. My plan for popularity. Okay, I, I had a summer job, so I was going to buy all new wardrobe. Right? I can't remember everything. I was going to get 
a boyfriend. <laughs> I can't remember, but there was like five things that I had to have in order to achieve my goal, popularity, right? That was my goal, popularity. Boyfriend, clothes, be a cheerleader I think was on there, you know, shooting the moon, right? And I don't know why. Actually, I know why. God let me achieve everything on that list. My junior year in high school, I was the captain of the varsity cheerleader, cheerleading team, cheerleading squad. Now there are four, probably four people that rule the school. You got your football captain, your basketball captain, your volleyball captain, and your cheerleading captain. I should be pretty happy, right? I got in with those girls that I just had to get in with. Oh, they were the popular ones. They had the hair. They had, you know, mall bangers. And, the, and the, oh, they had it going on. They, oh, man, I was in with them. I achieved everything on that list in record time. In three years. And then by the time I started my senior year in high school... I thought, this was the stupidest thing I've ever done. This is so empty. I feel empty. These girls are dumb. These are the dumb girls in school. I'm telling you, they're popular. It, stuff they talk about. I'm like, that has no merit at all. <laughs> You're really dumb. I've, I worked so hard on this. <laughs> and I got it. Only to find out it was nothing that I wanted. You know what I did? I went after God so hard my senior year in high school, I almost purposely lost all those friends. I just blew them all off. I don't, you know? I just wanted God. At that time, I realized it was like the stupid cat came off, and I'm like, okay, this is not a value. This is a value. And we all do that. Maybe we go after money. Maybe you go after, you know, looks, or I don't know. I knew a friend in, in Iowa, she tanned so much. I'm like, I, I am worried about you. Like, I get it, tanning. I've tanned. You look good, and you don't get burnt. But there's a point where you're going after something for the wrong motive. Anyway, so we have to trust the Lord. In Matthew 6, 27, it says... For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life worth, worth more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? He's saying, trust me and I got you. Trust me, and I got you. Now, I remember when, when Steve and I lost our business years ago, we were so broke. It like, we were broke, broke. And I had people give me designer label suits. I went out preaching glamorously. God dressed me better than the birds. My kids growing up, these two right here, 28, 26, they would always say, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. If you find yourself throwing a fit, you got to kind of sort of go back like, oh, was I supposed to have that? 
If you weren't if you were supposed to have it, he'll give it to you. If not, let it go. You don't need it. Uh, we were we years ago was it two two and a half years ago? We were looking for a farm. We sold our flip house in Montgomery, and we were looking for a farm. And we had this farm picked out, and it was rough. It had three acres. Barely. It was rough, had to be overhauled, but it was what we could afford after doing our flip house. It was what we could afford. We went into this deal, and we, we, it was a miraculous deal. We made a deal with them that we would buy their house when our house sold. And our house did not sell. It refused to sell. It refused to sell. You know what? I asked God, I said, I don't want this farm if it's not what you want for me. Even though I wanted it desperately, like get a farm, I gotta get a farm, I gotta have this farm. But I was like, I only want it if it's what you want. Because if it's not what you want, it's gonna be a disaster. The farm went. Bye bye. They they came out, they went out of the deal, it fell through, the whole thing went shabash. So then we had another farm that was this 70s revival colonial, colonial revival. It was stunning. And it had a barn. It was five acres on a hill. And oh, it was just, it was gorgeous. And I thought, this is it. God saved me from that farm. Now I get this colonial revival. I'm going to do this. And I had the whole thing designed. I'm telling you, in my head, it's HGTV. <laughs> and, and I said to him, I only want it if it's what you want from me. The whole deal fell through. I couldn't believe these bankers. Are you serious? I'm giving you money. No. No, it fell through. So now we're sitting here. We sold our house in Montgomery. The guy's letting us stay there, and we're paying him thousands of dollars in rent to rent our house. And we have no farm to go to. And we're like, well, God, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. White knuckles, sweating bullets. I trust you, God. I never get anything for God. He forgot all about my farm. He said he was going to give me a farm. I didn't get it. And then one day, the realtor calls, and she says, I found this farm. It's way out of your price range, but let's give it a shot. We go up there, and I said, Lord, I'm tired of dealing with these people. I am just tired of dealing. I said, I want this farm for this much money, and I don't want them to come back and want one more penny from me, and I want them to sweeten up the deal. Then I'll know this is you. Five acres on a hill, with a lake, a barn. He came back, said yes to everything. He threw, yeah, he threw in a big, huge tractor lawnmower and a 4x4 four four for my baby girl. There was a bunch more things that he just gave us because he just didn't want to do anything with them. And we're living in this place right now when that's worth probably thirty to 40000 more than what we paid for it. And it's beautiful. It's stunning. It's, it, you look out over the lawn, it's green, the trees are green, the, the lake is beautiful. God wants you to have what he wants you to have. Sometimes what we want isn't what he wants, and we've got to trust him. We want pennies, he wants to give us dollars. We were looking at dollars, he wants to give us millions. We've got to trust him, because he loves us, and he has our best interests at heart. So in, in Matthew 6.32, it talks about dominating thoughts. He said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. This is coming off of Matthew 6.25 about the what, clothes and food and everything. He says, these things dominate 
dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Why? Because they have to get for themselves what we trust God to give us. What's dominating your thoughts? Do you wake up in the middle of the night and think, where am I going to get money for this? What am I going to do? That's a dominating thought. In Matthew 6.33 it says, but we seek His kingdom and His righteousness above all these things. And all these things will be added. My, my background is a ministry background. I've, I've been traveling and writing books and conference speaking and all that kind of stuff. So my ministry, I have a lot of lessons from that background. And I've seen a lot of stuff. And I, and I, I feel like what the church has done is they, they've taken the word ministry and instead of making it a verb, have turned it into a noun. Instead of, like, doing ministry, we're like, I have a ministry. I have a ministry. We have, like, I, I have, you could say, I have a ministry. But isn't that wrong? Isn't ministry something we do? Isn't it a verb? It's an action verb. We do ministry. We minister one to another. The Bible says we're all priests unto our God. If you give a cup of cold water in his name, you are ministering. Nobody needs to have a ministry in order to be in the ministry, right? We are all in the ministry. We're all, if you give an encouraging word to someone, if you bless someone, if you help someone, if you bring somebody to the Lord, you're a priest. Your, your, your ministry, you're doing ministry. We've got to stop thinking that ministry is something we have. It's not something we have and we possess and I want this. I, want, I, just, I just have to be really, really honest with you. Do I want to be honest, Lord? <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that in the ministry are, are so striving to have this thing that they see other people have and they want this. They want ministry. And they go for that. And it's like they just go for broke and, and they do whatever it takes required to be thought of as big in other people's eyes. And, and right now, we've got a lot of false things going on. You know, people buying titles. If there was ever anything that sort of discredited or devalued the whole title thing, is the fact that people buy them. If you got $1,500, you can have a doctorate degree. If you have $1,000, you can be apostle. If you don't have that much money, maybe you got $800, you can be a prophet. This is real. It really happens. Now, I'm not discrediting titles, but it's like if it means something, great. If you've earned that, if that's what the Lord wanted you to do, then do that. But if it's not real, if it's just a fallacy just built up to make other people look at you and think you're a big deal, you are missing out. Ministry is so much awesomer than that. Because ministry is about intimacy with God. If you don't have intimacy, if you don't know Him, if you're not in a relationship with Him, if you don't have intimacy with Him, you don't have ministry, Period. Period. There's so many people out there I know who speak for him. They say, God says this, God says this, God said this. And I said to him one day, I said, I don't know, he started the conversation. I didn't even start it. He said, 
so many people talk for me. I don't even know who they are. Literally, he said that to me. And I said, what are you talking about? And he started to show me different ones. And then it was like things started to come into place. Because, you know, when you think somebody that is speaking for God and they start speaking all this crazy stuff, then you're like, wow, God said that? Well, he didn't tell me that. Thank God, you know. But, but it's like, seriously, they've lost their perception of reality because they're talking for a God they don't even know. I, I talked to a girl, a, a lady, and I, I talk a lot about the Father because, like, from a young age, I had to have a relationship with God to survive, you know? So I talk a lot about intimacy with the Father. The Father, the Father, the Father. I just want to let people know who He is. And I was talking to this lady, and she goes, yeah, you talk a lot about intimacy with the Father, but I don't need that because I have a good relationship with my, my earthly Father. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> I didn't want to get slugged. But I'm telling you, they're missing out. If you have the greatest Father on earth, who cares? Your Heavenly Father, He's your Creator. He's everything. He is everything. If we, don't, if, we, if we miss Him, we miss it all. You can't talk, you can't say you speak for God and not know Him. Him not matter in your life. That's crazy business. That, I don't want any part of that. And then I feel that's what we're coming out of. I've got prophetic friends who are so hot fire God. They're just so in love with Him and He is in love with them. He loves these people so much and they speak for Him and they're trusted prophetic voices. And you know, they, they say the same thing as me. He says right now, in the prophetic movement, we're, we're, we're having civil war. Between the prophets that speak for... Lord only knows who and the ones that speak for God. And keep their mouth shut unless it is Him. So we've got to ask, what motivates our ministry? Is it love? Is it relevance? Is it prominence? Is, or is it revealing God's character, His nature? Is it moving people to love one another? Is it establishing fruit, lasting fruit? In Matthew 7, 20 and 23, it says, Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions... Actions matter? For reals, God? For reals? <laughs> Not everyone who calls out to me. Okay, we got to hear this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform miracles in your name, but I will reply to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. I never... The worst thing imaginable I could think for my life is to hear him say, I never knew you. Because then my whole life's a joke. Because it matters that much that I know Him. If I, if I don't know Him, I, know, I have nothing. I have no reason to live. Amen. Knowing Him is it. It is it. And He is saying, don't, don't look at the prophecies. Don't look at, the, at all these grand acts of ministry. Look and see if there's fruit because they know me. Look and see if they love, if the integrity there, if they treat people with kindness. Look and see if I'm with them. So in, when, when John the Baptist, John the Baptist, he was the precursor for Jesus, the Messiah. 
He became famous. People just flocked to him. They, they, they went after him. They had Pharisees in the temple robed in every possible raiment that you could be robed in. This guy is in the wilderness, no temple, but people are flocking to him. They're not flocking to the Pharisees in the temple. Why are they flocking to John the Baptist? What's so great about him? Did I miss the memo? Is camel hair cool now? No, it's one thing. God was with him. God was with John the Baptist. And we got we to stop thinking that we know what it, what, some, what it looks like when somebody's with God. And we got to stop thinking what it looks like and start thinking, what does it feel like? We got to start thinking, what do I what's the fruit of this? Is there lasting fruit? Have I have I learned something? Have I gone away changed? Have I met with God? At least a little. Maybe they're not on all the time, but we've got to ask ourselves. We have to be pursuing. We have to ruthlessly pursue the things of God. Ruthlessly pursue the things of God. And everything on this planet will come against you when you do it. The accuser of the brethren will come at you and we've got to shove that thing out. Pride's going to come after you. You're going to think you're a big deal. Everything's going to come after you. The worldly gain. Worldly gain. Now, um, that's not, I'm, I'm saying I, I like worldly gain, but it needs to come after me. I'm not going after it. I'm not wasting my time. If they can't get you with the accusing voices, they'll try praise. Whatever it takes. We have to be ruthlessly pursuing one goal. He says, seek this first and you get the whole caboodle. Seek this first. Seek me first. I remember we had, we had a store. We were in the ministry. We were youth pastors at a church. and uh, That was crazy. It just all blew up. So I thought, well, we don't want to be in ministry. <laughs> don't ever say that. Don't ever say that to God. So we, we were like, we don't want to be in ministry. So we bought this store. Not only did the store not... Well, okay, it succeeded for a while until I did this thing where I prayed and I said, Lord, I want to be in your will. If I can't be in your will, I don't want any part of it. And all of a sudden, we didn't know why the store was dying. It was just crashing. It ended up crashing, taking almost everything with it. Our house, our vehicles. We owned our house. We weren't even making house payments. We owned it, our vehicles, everything. It took it all. And we had to live into a house that owned by his cousin that no one had lived in for at least four years. At least not people had lived in it. <laughs> Two bedrooms. And we had three kids and another on the way. You talk, I spent so much time on my knees in prayer in that little house. I, was, I like to lay on the floor praying to God. Laying on the floor. And I'm in the spirit. Oh, I'm pulling down heaven. To, oh, it's awesome. Until a mouse tries to attack my face. <laughs> Crazy people pray things like that. But you know what? It was all empty. God wasn't in that. And I missed him. And I wanted him even if it meant mice attacking me. If it meant black crawly worms coming up the kitchen sink. Or it meant rats outside. So in, in, I, just want, I, want to, I want to end with this. Okay, I want this to be in your dreams tonight. 
in, in oh, somewhere, okay, Exodus 33, 12 through 23. I just want to talk to you about this. Is One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, Take these things up to take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name, Moses. I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. I remember that this nation is your very own people. No, he said, and remember, God, this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, he says, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine with you. He said, then Moses says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the people of the world. And he replied, I will indeed do what you ask, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. And Moses replied, Then show me your glorious presence. Moses wasn't after the promised land. That wasn't his goal. His goal was to be in God's presence. His goal, it was more important for him to have God than to have all the riches that God offered. And he said, if you do not go with me, I don't want to go. Don't send me if you don't go with me. Because without you, I am nothing. And he, God looked favorably on him because he knew him. It's that time in the closet, like we started out talking about, where we go into the closet and we shut the door. Nobody hears us. It's those moments where we talk to him one-on-one that shape our whole lives. And when we need a miracle from God, when we want something, he says, I know you, so yes. It's those intimate times. We've got to understand that when you want God, the world will think you're weird. Even Christians will think you're weird. I've had people think I'm lazy in my ministry because I don't market it and promote it like they do. Because it's the thing to do. I'm weird. I'm odd. I'm not with it. If God tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. But I'm not going to do it because it's the thing to do. Because I'm not after a ministry. I'm not after a church. I'm after God. This church is here today because, because of Him. I want Him. I want a movement of God. I want all the things that I've seen in the Spirit all these years. I want to, I want to be in the thick of it. I want to be in the presence of God and see all the things that God has told me would happen on this earth. I want to be there. And I don't care if I'm successful over here, if I'm successful in this one thing. Then I'm successful the whole kit and caboodle. Right? I don't care. And I don't care if people think I'm weird. I I want to love Him in such a crazy way that people are like, just settle down. 
I want to give it all I've got. I want to praise Him so richly like He deserves to be praised. I want to love Him more and more and more and more. I want to love Him like He deserves to be loved. There there should be no end to how much we want to give and love and praise Him because He's worthy of much more than we could ever do. And I want to see a move of God on this earth that, that blows the doors off of every other move of God that's ever been unleashed on this earth. I had a vision years ago that we were having a praise service in a church somewhere and some several, like two or three drug dealers walked in with hands full of money like this and just threw it down like it was on fire. Say, here, take this, take this. They'd gotten cash for drugs and they didn't want it. They gave it to us because they wanted to get right with God more than they cared about that cash from drugs. I had, I had dreams where I saw millionaires with multiple homes give mansions away to homeless people. Mothers, single mothers with children. Giving them away. Now you know if you've worked to gain wealth in your life, you don't give it away. That's not normal. Unless, of course, you realize it's empty and what you really want is God Almighty. God likes us to have nice things. He likes us to have mansions. But He wants to be the one to give it to us. You know that scripture, the golden rule, it says, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Well, that's God too. How we do unto Him is how we'd want to be treated. So, would we want to be ignored? Would we want to be so busy running after things and people's opinions and caring about this and things that don't matter and ignore Him the whole time? Say, God, I'm sorry, I would pray right now, but I might look weird if I do. People wouldn't understand, God, if I did that. I'm right there. I think we've all had those moments when we're like, uh, you really want, you? that's crazy. And we're like, I don't know if I'm brave enough to do that. But let's don't care about being brave. Let's don't care about ourselves. Let's, great, let's do those crazy things. And then let's watch, let's watch what my grandpa said, that this, his generation has been believing God for a move of God their whole lives, and they're going to get it. Well, I don't want to miss out on that just because I'm too afraid to look stupid in other people's eyes. I don't care if they like me. Father God, we just thank you for this moment, Lord, and I just pray that you would, you would just inspire us, inspire us with your heart, inspire us with your eyes, give us your eyes, your heart, your mouth, your ears, your arms, your hands. Let us be your hands extended. God, I pray that we would see as you see and value the things that you value and do the things that you want us to do, Lord, so that our life isn't wasted on this earth just being normal like everyone else. But it means something in the history books of heaven. Our life will stand out because we dared to do what you wanted us to do, Lord. And I plead the blood of Jesus over everybody here that their minds would be totally linked up with you, Lord, and you just infuse them with your heart and your mind right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.